Should you judge a game by its cover? My name's Jonathan, and this is The Snakes Cast, the podcast for people who don't know as much about games as they'd like to know. This week, we're not going to judge games by their covers, but we are going to judge covers by how well they present the game. Welcome back to The Snakes Cast. With me again this week, David Kingsmill. Hello. And Steve Tassie. Hi there. All right, so we're just going to get straight into it. Do you ever have people at the cafe go up to that massive wall of games on our shelves at, at, at Snakes and Lattes and pull a game off and decide, ooh, this cover, this cover speaks to me. I should play this game. Absolutely. And take it over to their table and open it up and sort of go from there. This happens a lot. It? Yeah, it's, I've certainly seen it happen quite a bit. Um, and I think it's kind of almost, it's it's... A determination of how good the cover is is how long that game then stays on the table. <laughs> um, but I mean, a, a good example just to, to bring it up, which I've seen happen a few times, is Flashpoint Fire Rescue. Okay. Um, we have a copy of that specifically at the college location, where if the right games have been taken out and it's been left at the right angle, the box art is very, very easy to see. And one of the points that's been made frequently about that game is that rescuing people from a burning building is kind of cool yeah and it's a topic that sells easily and that cover sells that topic yeah you've got a firefighter in full rescue gear you know you can their face is partly obscured yeah uh, running at you with their their fire hose and their axe obviously about to pull you out of this place that's it really makes its premise very very mm-hmm. clear I would say that I see the opposite happen more often and that is I see someone pull a game off the wall look at the cover and then put it back because for whatever reason the cover did not speak to them they they yeah. often don't even turn it over to read the blurb of the game <laughs> they'll just they they look at the box and oh it's a grumpy guy with a mustache and a floppy renaissance hat oh euro and games put okay. it back <laughs> on the wall or that's it, another promo not even just euro games like it happens throughout the yeah, entire collection i've seen that too um, arkham horror goes back on the wall because people see tentacles and don't want to deal with horror that's probably a good thing in that for case, the most though. part you don't want tentacles you don't want arkham horror yeah. no and also a lot of people probably who just pull it off and don't go to it don't either won't either get the theme or the weight of the game but anyway right. that's yeah i've definitely seen that too probably the most common one that i see is takanoko mm. and uh that's one that's i kind of have a bit of a beef with because the cover of takanoko is beautiful it's this adorable yeah pastel pink and blue and white sort of cherry blossom you know type place and there's this adorable cartoon panda sort of walking through the place with a parasol over his head just as as cute as can be and then they bring it over to their table and then they open the box and there are a lot of pieces in that box Mm -hmm. and there are a lot of pages in that rule book and there are all these hexagonal bits that but go together to make a board in ways that aren't immediately clear unless you know how the game works. And yes, there is a little panda in there. It's, it's about an inch tall. And so they like that part, but generally speaking, beyond that point, they're not really so much into it. I think with ta- uh, Takenoko, the artwork translates better to the deluxe edition mm. because then everything is that much bigger and grander and it kind of lives up to it a little bit more. Whereas with the regular game, you know, if you're not going to throw $300 at the deluxe edition, which let's face it, most people probably won't. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. I think the artwork translates to about four inches of, you know, model within the game of that. And yeah. then the, the, the gameplay itself is, is heavier than people sometimes expect. On the topic of the 
deluxe edition of Takenoko. I'm just going to throw a little plug in here. Right. Keep an eye out for our This Just Showed Up in the Mail video segments on YouTube because every time we get mailed something, we mail out something in return to one lucky person who tweets at us. Uh, and we have a prize copy of the deluxe edition of <sighs> Takenoko in our prize vault. One day, that's going to be the prize that gets mailed out. Wow. <laughs> that, and the panda in the deluxe edition is like the size of a Smurf. It's yeah. huge. And it's just as cute. Holy crap. That's, that, that mm, is a prize. That's a big <laughs> That is prize. a serious prize. Wow. Okay. Panda? <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk again about, uh, about cover art and what sort of brings people to it. What's, what's, okay, you mentioned that the, uh, the, the, the grumpy guy with the floppy renaissance hat is enough to put people off. What are some things that draw people in besides cuteness? And, uh, and what are some things that, that repulse people besides you know, grumpy faces? Graphic design yeah. is an important part of it. Um, yeah. There's a huge amount of science that goes into making movie posters. Mm. And I think that game boxes can take a lot of that uh, information and, and use it to their advantage. Um, when you look at something like the cover of um, Rex... Uh, which is Fantasy Flight's attempt to remake Dune uh, in their Twilight Imperium universe. Yes, we know how you feel about that, John. No spice, no Dune. Uh, but the the cover has a bunch of different alien races all sort of gazing off into the distance with their backs toward each other that, that indicates a sense of uh, conflict and sort of a grand epic scale that the game delivers on. Mm. And, and it has a very movie poster feel to uh, mm-hmm. that box art. Um, one of the things I want to say on that one specifically, and I got this with both Rex and with Twilight Imperium 3, is it's also very cool to be able to say, hey, I'm playing that dude who's on the box cover. Yeah. Because what's on that cover translates to what's in the box in those games. And you do actually see, uh, you know, there's you understand why that is used. And just to jump back to Takenoko for a split second, the artwork there... Besides the figures of the gardener and the panda, only really then bears relevance to the banners, if you like, on top of the player boards mm-hmm. uh, and to a certain extent onto the cards. But it kind of fades away a little bit to the, the sort of Euroness of the game. Let's go back to that idea Steve was mentioning about the science that goes into a, a cover and what it has to achieve. What should a box cover for a board game do? What task does it need to accomplish in order to be successful? Tell you what's in the box. Tell you what to expect. Yeah, what, like, what, what's what, what game am like? I going to get when I open this box up rather than... And what experience am I going to receive yeah. when I play it? Uh, it also, cynically maybe, uh, has to make you want to buy the game. Yep. That's the thing. Absolutely. Like if someone picks up that game uh, on a store shelf... Uh, and the box art doesn't do its job, you're going to put it back down and walk away. Um, And those two tasks are not necessarily going to work hand-in-hand with each other. Making making you want to buy the game and simultaneously telling you accurately what the gaming experience of that game is, that... That's hard to do. Yeah, like back mm. to Takenoko again. That's that box cover. I guarantee you sells a ton of copies to people who aren't going to enjoy what's in there because it's not what they're expecting. It's not what they're looking for. And the flip side of that, and I shouldn't do this, and I need to fix it at some point. But we talked before we started recording this about the box art on A Touch of Evil, mm. uh, and of how it kind of has the sort of slightly comedic but also horror based <laughs> front to it. And actually, that box art is what stopped me buying that game. 
to this point. You know, that's actually not an inappropriate thing because that same style of art. What the t- what one of the things that the Touch of Evil box cover does is it pre- previews one of the main elements of what's going to be in that box and that is the artwork itself Mm. that community theater we obviously got our friends to dress up in costume and then took photographs of them and used that as art for our game sort of look to it which some people find really off-putting and which others like me find completely charming because it's obviously much fun these people are having i think it's just a shame especially because for me as a solitaire gamer and that Mm. i've heard is a very good solo game but also a very good game in general and i just i i think it grates in the back of my mind that i'm being put off by the artwork well it's if the artwork is, I mean, we talked about this. The artwork can very much be a big part of the experience of having mm-hmm. a game. And if that's going to be something that gets in your way, then that cover has done you a favor Fair by enough. getting you to not buy it. Fair enough. And with that particular game and that, that company, Flying Frog... Um, yeah, it's their signature style. Yeah, it's their brand. Yeah. The, regardless of whether it's their horror game or a fantasy game or a pulp fiction game... Uh, that's the style of art that they use throughout everything. You know what you're going to get with a Flying Frog They're really distinctive. Box. Just as Fantasy Flight has their really slick um, sort of style to their, to their fantasy and their science fiction games, just as Days of Wonder has their very bright, very fr- family-friendly sort of look to their things, you know, mm-hmm. Flying Frog has this going for it. Uh, Yellow. Uh, the publishers of King of Tokyo yeah. have also been developing a very strong in-house style involving bright, bold colors and uh, friendly, uh, rounded line work for their characters. I had them down as one to mention, actually, as being particularly impressive recently at selling what they do. Um, and it not only sells uh, their, their games very well, it also does a good job of sort of presenting what kind of experience is going to be in there. Yeah. You look at the cover of King of Tokyo... And you know what's going to be inside the box. You know the kind of experience that it's offering. I think similarly, uh, Mysterium has a great box mm-hmm. cover. Yeah. That the, just the view of the vintage 20s era car driving through those gates and up that windy mm-hmm. drive to the spooky big mansion on the top of the hill in the moonlight with the gas lamps going. It really speaks to the, oh, I'm going to a haunted house. I'm going to have a mystery in a haunted house feel of the game. I would like to throw one onto the table and find out what people think, because I don't know. This box art has done a spectacularly good job of making me want to buy the game because it's so cool in the way it's done. Um, But I don't know what it tells me about what's in the box. And that's time stories. Right. Mm. It is so sparse. And there is a beauty in that pure white mm-hmm. and the, the sort of almost portal-like uh, video game portal right. that is uh, machine off to that one side and this very, very of... clean font. And yet the front of that box tells you nothing. Well, it's, yeah. it, it, it basically can't because, well, Time Stories is a modular thing where you're going to play a particular adventure and then mm-hmm. next time you're going to buy an expansion set that's going to be another completely different adventure. So it's not going to be the same game. It had to be generic enough uh, to sort of indicate this. And I, I, I really think that Time Stories, in a way, has done a wonderful job of filling both of those requirements, getting people to pick up the box and look at it and think, mm. ooh, should I buy this? I agree. While also giving you that blank slate that here's a pod, you're going to get into this thing now, and when you get out of it, who knows? Who knows? Mm. Could be anything. And the expansion sets have a similar sort of look to them, only yeah. they have a more distinctive object. Same sort of white cover, yeah. but with a very, very specific, usually brightly colored object to evoke... Well, that's what I what's thought. What's the story going to be about? Yeah, when I first saw it, because the tape case of the Marcy case, 
which is the first expansion that came out at the same time as the game. Uh, Somehow... It should have had a rotting hand. And no, that's not a spoiler. Anything that's revealed in the first five seconds of the game is not a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's there's something about that that it dates it so nicely. And it yeah. puts it in its time. And in a way, it's almost as... Um, I don't want to say the word bland, but it's as simple as that pod. Mm. And yet it's very evocative. For our younger viewers, for by tape case... Uh, <laughs> cassette tape. There were these things David called audio is, cassettes. is talking about audio cassettes that were the precursors of the CD, which are the precursors of the MP3. They were a physical object <laughs> uh, containing uh, magnetoferrous plastic ribbons inside which had music or other audio files imprinted upon them. These guys are old. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Trevor. (laughs) So we know some of the things that we want a game box to accomplish. Now, what are some sins that a piece of box art can commit that you really, really should, apart from promising something that's not in the box? We've already talked about that. What are some things that you absolutely should not do with your box art? Things that you see happen way too often. Garish colors. Hmm. Um, there's a game called Time Pirates, which has one of the ugliest covers I've ever seen in my life. And it's just neon, everything, everything just conflicts with everything else on the cover. Oof. I don't know, Vertigo has uh, sort of bright neon colors kind of clashing with each other. and it doesn't. Yeah, but it's very it. simple. It's not trying to present you with an image that is made up. Of these right. bright okay. neon, it's more the graphic design. In yeah, the case of Vertigo. It's the being loud can work, I think. But like Greedy Greedy Goblins is great. It's a very kind of in-your-face box cover, um, and it, it's quite loud in its own way. But the I think are it's fairly muted. It's though. loud by being muted. It's when you're being loud and you're being garish at the same time. I think that's where it really starts to fall down. I think being overly busy is also I was going to say, yeah. Uh, the covers for a lot of cool mini or not games, I think, suffer from this. I, mean, I love Arcadia Quest to pieces, but that box has way too much stuff going on in order for you to tell what, okay, what are we, what is happening here? Same thing with Kemet. I mean, I love Kemet. I adore oh, that so game. so busy. It's van art. So busy. It's yeah. totally, that should be painted on the side of a heavy metal van in the 1970s. And wow, does it ever have a lot of stuff going on. It's super cool. But it is, it's, how do you discern exactly what's there? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, what are we promising here? I guess we're promising a very large-scale uh, sort of punch-up with a whole bunch of things that we can't really make out. How does it, no, no, no. That's, oh, that's oh, Steve, my, okay, Steve Strange, yeah. the cover for Time Pirates now. Wow. <laughs> Those two fonts do not belong to the what the, wow. Yeah, this, this was made wow. in the early days of Photoshop. And <laughs> Can you really? <laughs> I could never tell by the filters. Oh, uh, yeah, it's just that's, that's a that's, Jurassic Park font happening there and blue. Yeah, yeah, that's wow. a, that's a little OTT. That's so for sure. good graphic design, essential yeah. in yeah. addition to good art. In order for yeah. they, they need to work hand in hand with each other. Clear font as yep. well. If Readable. I look at your game box and I can't tell what your game is called, yeah. you have a very big problem. Well, Camel except, up? Ex- Camel yeah. cup! <laughs> except in one case that I can think of, and that's Cave Evil. It's really, really hard to read the title of Cave Evil, but it should be because it's the most metal game ever. Oh! And it's got yeah. that ridiculous sort of yeah. uh, back of the math class yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. writing on it. It's like, yeah, okay. You, you, you got me. Fair, yeah. I think, I, but it's it's... I think so often it's there's there's definitely a couple of examples that I can't think of one right now that we've got on the purchase wall at Snakes right now. Yeah. And I looked at it and I had to puzzle 
exactly what it said. And I had to look at the back and look at the printed text to work out what the game was called. And that's such a big problem. Yeah, clarity is a huge deal. I mean, like, you know what my favorite box art of all time is? Pitch car. See this? It shows you the game. You take one look at this cover. Not only is it bright and red and attractive with a cool sort of checkered flag thing with a font that's bright and friendly and so on. It shows you exactly the experience you are getting. It shows people flicking little wooden car discs along a racetrack and it's perfect. It's yeah. genius. I love it. I don't think there's a better way to sell that. I, d I wouldn't like that for a lot of games. I wouldn't want to show somebody moving an Arkham Horror piece around the board or something yeah. like that. Yeah, that probably but what that does is it shows you the game you're getting in the box. Yeah. Um, that's even more than showing that. the feel, which I think is... Like, Takedo is box art I love, because I look at that and it shows me zen. It's and true. I feel very zen when I play that game. It's a very kind of relaxing experience. Uh, but I, it's, I think that's important. But if you do get, like, uh, Vertigo as well, you've just mentioned, yep. it's great, because it shows you precisely what the game does, and especially for an abstract Abstract games, I think, in many cases, need to present the physicality of the game itself or just the aesthetic mm. of it. You take the Gip Project series, for example. Mm -hmm. you know, games like Yinch and yes. Vaughn. Here we're presenting you the beauty of these pieces, uh, beautifully posed and photographed. Something like Bandu will do the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and even card games that are relatively abstract. Something like Yardmaster. I mean, the object is just such a beautiful thing in and of itself mm -hmm. in that case. Yeah. You know, the choices of colors and fonts and design, uh, just by making these beautiful objects in themselves to touch and collect. Something that the mass market game industry does that um, hobby games don't, and I'm glad for it, is <laughs> the picture of the family enjoying the game on the back of the box. The exception being the Portal so, game, yes. right. which has the most depressed, disaffected-looking family sitting around the table playing the game and looking absolutely miserable, which is hilarious <laughs> if you know anything about the world of Portal. I really want to see someone who doesn't pick that box up and look at it and see what their reaction is. I think, unfortunately, it only gets picked up at Snakes by people who know what Portal is. But Yeah. yeah. One other thing that I do just want to quickly mention, I know we're running short, but the, um, the there's the, also the interesting uh, sort of um, crash, if you like, of awesome box art that you really like but also does nothing to tell you about what's inside. Takenoko being a good example, but also uh, Steve was mentioning earlier, Legacy of Testament Duke Decracy. Yes. I oh, love God's Legacy. that game. It's a brilliant game. I'm actually about to do one of my own podcasts on it. And I love the box art. I think that actual piece of art is a really, really nice piece of art. It's just got nothing to do with what's inside. Nothing whatsoever. Um, I think sometimes they have nothing to do with what's inside and they're bad. <laughs> uh, but I, it's it's worth also saying I think there are some out there that are legitimately good. They're yeah, just the, very unhelpful. The cover of Testament looks like it's an epic oil portrait of one of the founding fathers writing the Declaration <laughs> of Independence or something. And inside you have cartoony cards of different family members that you're trying to get married off and married well so that they will produce heirs and your family name will go down in history. It's and, basically Downton Abbey the board game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the two don't go together at all. They really don't. No. Okay, that'll do it for this week. If there's a topic you'd like to hear about on the show, tweet it to us at SnakesCast or post it on the Snakes Lighters Facebook page. Steve, David, thank you again for joining me. Thank you kindly, sir. It was artful. <laughs> The Snakes Cast is produced by P.T. Douglas. Music is provided by Ben Sound. The opinions expressed on the show belong to the people in it and not the company behind it. Thanks for listening, everyone. Game on. Game on.